Well, good morning, church. All right. Yeah, you guys are excited. Hopefully, you'll be excited when we beat the uh, Cowboys this afternoon. Yeah. Yeah, my Bengals are going to beat the Steelers today. I'm sure, I'm sure of it, right? Prayer, prayer works. Paul wasn't a Bengals fan. Uh, my name is Ben, and I get to serve as our lead minister here at RCC. And as Andrew communicated, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, man, you picked a great day to come if you're here for the first time. Uh, today's our generosity celebration day, as well as some baptisms. And over half of the people that you're going to see baptized, which is so cool, are people that have been invited within the last four to 12 weeks uh, here at RCC, which is pretty exciting. Yep, you can clap for that. Yeah. Yeah, as Andrew mentioned, we're finishing up our 90-day generosity challenge. It's going to end in the next week or two. Uh, my family, has, we, we, haven't give our, we haven't given yet our third gift for the generosity challenge. We will. Uh, but our financial team told me that we've had an increase in our general fund, about $2,700 over the last 90 days, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Yep. You can, you can clap for that because those are hearts deciding to worship Jesus, which is really, really cool. That's what generosity is all about. It's not a dollar amount. It's really confronting what we worship. Uh, and we also had about 20 family households take our Financial Peace University class over the last night, which is really awesome. So give a hand for them. Yep. 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 We've got uh, some of our Financial Peace University folks here that I will be interviewing uh, in a few uh, minutes here during the sermon time. And they're they're excited. I think that's an understatement, but they're excited to help you get out of financial debt. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, we've got screens, but also I want to encourage you to download the Bible app on your smartphone. Uh, not only can you follow along there, there are a ton of Bible reading plans, and so the Bible is intimidating. Uh, I'll just admit that, and so it's hard to know where to start. And so today we're going to look at a generosity teaching that Jesus himself gave. It's found in Luke chapter 12, uh, verse 13 through uh, 21. Anyways, Jesus is teaching uh, to a large crowd of people like he does. And this is what happened. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? Jesus is saying, figure it out, right? That's not the cuddly Jesus you learned about in elementary, did you? Nope. Um, then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. And a parable is basically, it's a metaphor, it's a story. It didn't historically happen, but it, it, it's to prove a, a heavenly or kingdom of God point. He said, there was a certain man who yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. He's kind of talking to himself. Uh, I will tear down my barns and build up bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, self, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, right? And then here comes every lyric to Zach Brown Band. Eat, drink, and be merry. Toes in the sand, drink in the hand. I'm fine, not a care in the world. I just went there. You're welcome. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then you will get what you have prepared for yourself. Wow. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves and is not rich towards God. I think Jesus would be a great youth pastor. <laughs> Jesus is giving this public teaching, and these two guys bought a ticket. They drove to Boston 
to see Jesus speak at the Wilbur, and they bought VIP passes to, to meet him afterwards so he could ask them, uh, the boys can ask Jesus this very question, but they just couldn't do it. So they got out of their seats, and they said, Jesus, the one brother said, Jesus, tell my brother to give me my money. Now here's what we can assume, that their father is dead. In the first century, wealth was passed down after the father had passed away. Well, we can also assume that it's probably the younger brother. Don't you love them? I'm the eldest. And in the first century, actually from Genesis to Revelation, there's a major theme we don't have time to get into, but it would be really, really fun, uh, is that the firstborn acquires all of the wealth and the estate that the father once had. And so this younger brother, we don't know for sure, but we can bet that it's the younger brother saying, hey, Jesus, tell my brother to give me my share of the inheritance. I want my money. And Jesus says, can't you guys figure it out? Like scripture is very clear. When we don't know how to do healthy relationships, other people have to come in. Counselors, pastors, friends, teachers, sometimes even lawyers, when we can't figure out uh, an, an argument. And Jesus says, uh, really, boys, I, I need you to listen. He, and I love Jesus. He, does, he never really answers the question or gives uh, what the, the younger boy uh, wants. He says this. This is his big thought. He says, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed, life. So this is what the boy is asking about, but he just doesn't know it yet. And Jesus is about to help him out. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So basically what Jesus is trying to do with these boys is to get them to understand, if I give you what is owed to you, or I tell your brother to give the younger brother what is owed to you, you need to be careful about not your money, but how you view life. In the Greek, there's three words for life. There's bios, where we get the English word biology, psyche, how deeply someone lives, the quality of their life, and zoe, this word that Jesus talks about in his public ministry called eternal life. And so he's telling the boys, listen, there's three buckets that consist of life. There's quantity of life. You're, you're born, obviously, that's why you're here, and unfortunately, you're going to die. It's like 10 out of a 10 sort of a thing, statistically. But then in the middle, there's a quality of life, right? There's a how, how deeply or how, how, how much of life do you want to take in? How much of life do you want to enjoy? Do you want to spend $20 uh, uh, on a meal when you go out? Or do you want to go to a steakhouse and spend 60 or 80 and have a few drinks, appetizers, and desserts? Well, like, what is the depth of life that you want to live? And then also in this word, he says, but there's, a, there's another perspective that there's an element to this thing called eternal life. And Jesus kind of assumes like he already knows that. And what we do with our finances is we tend to try to protect our, our backside so we have enough to like retire on. But while we're doing that, we want to live deeply. We want to go to the concerts we want to go to. We want to travel and go on vacation. All the while, Jesus is asking the boys and asking us, are you going to have any left over for eternal life, for the kingdom of God? And so he tells them this story, right? Guys, I need you to listen to me, all right? I'm going to teach you a principle and a story because obviously you don't have the attention span right now to go academic. I'm going to be a storyteller. He says there's a rich man who had a, a bucket of ping pong balls, and these represent his resources. And everybody in this room has a bucket. 
Some of us have more money than others. It just, it is what it is. And some of us are going to die before other people. It is what it is. And so this rich, uh, this rich man decided that after an, an incredible crop, that he was going to store more stuff for himself. And so he probably took his little bucket here and filled up the quantity of his life so that he could at least retire comfortably. Not a gospel idea, but an American idea. I know it's getting serious, isn't it? But then also, where I think we struggle is that we want to live a quality of life. We have to keep up with people we don't know and like, and they're called the Joneses. So we tend to put more ping pong balls in here, and we may or may not have one or two. Did you know that the average family gives 1% to 2% of their income to their local church? They actually tip the waiter or waitress more than they give to their local church. And so Jesus is just, he's not telling them what to do. He's just telling them, this is how you need to look at your life. There's a quantity of life where you have to plan for. There's a quality of life where you have to decide how deeply do you want to live. And then there's this thing called the eternal life. And this rich man, as you read the, or listened to me read this story, uh, and, and, these, and this might not matter to you because we're Americans and we value autonomy over community, that at the end of his life, he literally had nobody to share his wealth with. Now, in the first century, that's a major red flag, because in the first century, community was everything. They didn't have social media and fake friends online. They literally had to be with, remember the 90s, they had to be with each other, have face-to-face conversation with one another. And Jesus kind of goes, listen, boys, if I say, all right, all right, Brian, give your little brother the money, I don't think he's ready to know how to view his life. And oftentimes, this is the way we view our lives. We think of, how do I protect myself so I can retire well? How can I have a lot of fun? And anything left over goes to this thing called the kingdom of God, which I hear about on Sundays, but don't really get. But in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says what? Seek first your retirement, your quality of life. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. That's the first bucket where we should put our resource in it. And when we do that, Paul says God wants to do immeasurably more than we could ever hope, dream, imagine, or ask. And this is why Jesus turns wine into weddings. That's why he gives us wine at weddings. This is why he's able to take a Chick-fil-A meal or Popeye's. I know that's, you know, it's, been a, it's been a hard year for the chicken industry. And he feeds a bunch of people because the kingdom of God is more. And with little faithfulness, God can do more than we can ever hope, dream, or imagine. <laughs> And it would, o- it would overflow our buckets. Yes, I love my job. Now you're awake. <laughs> this is the kind of generosity Jesus wants us to have. Now, Jesus calls this man, this wealthy man, a fool. No, I'm not an idiot. I'm, well, I'm in a very wealthy part of the, of the country. Our, our folks make a lot of money here. And you guys are like really good at it. And I think it's a spiritual gift to some degree. The reason why the rich guy was called a fool wasn't because he protected himself and had a good retirement, wasn't because he lived a quality life, it's because he had no consideration that that night after he built bigger barns and signed the lease for the builders to build it, let's, let's be honest, he, at that point he's a manager, he probably has hands like mine, they don't look blue collar, right? But what he didn't know is that night when he died, he woke up to the God who actually owned everything. See, Jesus is challenging our, Jesus' generosity, the generosity of Jesus is challenging uh, our 
perspective, right? He's challenging our perspective. Because the rich guy didn't even, for a second, go, listen to me, farmers. What makes farming good year or bad year? I'll give you the answer, the soil. And the rich guy doesn't even say, thank you, God, for good soil and a good ground. You see, nobody is the product of themselves. Everybody is here in this moment right now because someone invested in you. Someone thought that you were worth extra time, extra conversation. And even when you make a bunch of money, somebody put you through college. Come on. Somebody helped you when you were struggling. Someone gave you a place to live until you landed your first job. Nobody, sorry, Paul Simon, I love you. Nobody is an island. We are all interdependent upon each other. And the rich guy says, man, I am awesome. I did all this amazing work, not even giving credit to the ground God created for him. And so what he decided to do was actually build bigger barns. And that night, unbeknownst to him, he passed away. Secondly, the generosity of Jesus actually challenges our productivity. You don't like to hear this, but I hope it's a good, restful gospel idea. Paul says in, I think it's Thessalonians, I hate that book of the Bible because I have a lisp, where he says that in your sleep, the Holy Spirit is already at work. You can't outwork, outgrind, or outhustle, or outgive the God of the universe. Simon Sinek is one of my favorite speakers, authors, and writers. He just wrote a book called uh, The Infinite Game. You should pick it up. I was going to go see him at the Wilbur, but it sold out in like 24 hours. And he, he, he's been percolating on this idea for the last two years, and the book just came out, where he's, he talks about how Amazon is crushing uh, the brick-and-mortar industry. Like, I, I remember talking to my brother Nathan, who's in Charlotte. He's got a wife and, and three kids, and he said, I can't remember... Uh, the last time I went to the grocery store, because we just Amazon Prime it, and then 24 hours or whatever, the food is there. And because Cynic is saying that Amazon is playing the infinite game. It's not bound by brick and mortar. It's not bound by, um, it's not bound by a physical uh, lo- lo- location or anything like that. It's an infinite game, and it's crushing brick and mortar. I go, wait a minute. That's the kingdom of God. We're playing the infinite game. If, if, if life is more than quantity or quality of life, if, if, if the, the good part of life is Zoe life, eternal life, then aren't we playing the eternal infinite game? But yet we give like life is, is measured between our birth and our death, and we don't really have enough for that eternal bucket, do we? Simon Sinek, uh, in his book, The Infinite Game, says this. I love this quote. Great leaders are the ones who think beyond short-term versus long-term. They are the ones who know that it is not about the next quarter or the next election. It is about the next generation. Generosity gives strangers permission to journey with Jesus. What are you talking about? Well, if Jesus is telling the truth, which I think he tends to do often, then what he's saying is when we give financially to RCC, that means we're giving strangers permission to journey with Jesus here. People that aren't even here yet. Why? Because we're interested in playing the infinite game. We're not interested in having enough money to pay the light bill. Boring. We're interested in giving so we can see life change. To this date, this year, I'm, I'm just... I. 
I'm, I'm winging it, I can't confirm this, but this year alone, we've had one of our highest years of baptisms. After today, we've had almost 30 baptisms uh, in 2019. Yeah, you can, cl- it's okay, you can clap. You can clap. Yeah, that, that's a good thing, right? Beats the alternative. And so when we give, we give permission for people we don't know yet. We don't know yet. And that takes a lot of humility, right? To give so that other people might benefit from my generosity and our church's generosity. Why would we do that? Because the kingdom of God, the local church, is actually playing the infinite game. And so not only does generosity tell better stories, it allows strangers that we don't know to journey with Jesus. And as we keep growing in the next year or two or three or four, I don't know, we had a third service, we're going to have more opportunities for people to journey with Jesus. And there'll come a point where we may not see the same person we know, uh, you know, we might see the same person we know every four to six weeks. That's a good thing because more people are coming to RCC to journey with Jesus. Here's the last thing I want to share with you. The generosity of Jesus challenges our thinking between the owner and the steward. And this is where the rich guy really, really messed up. In Luke 12, 18 through 20, uh, then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, build bigger ones, and there I'll store up my surplus grain. I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain. You laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Now, I'm going to say something that you won't know if I'm telling the truth until you die. We are stewards of God's money. And it's a, it's a philosophical, biblical perspective that God owns everything. And so that changes, or it should change, our perspective over time. That the money that comes through my fingers isn't really mine. I'm a, I'm a manager, I'm a steward of it. I'm not actually the owner of it. And it was probably a hard pill to swallow when this man passed away, and then he woke up on the other side of eternity, and he met Jesus, the God who owns, like, everything. And so the answer, often, the answer to generosity that Jesus is challenging us and challenging these boys and whoever heard Jesus with an earshot is, is this. It's not, the answer isn't to, like, get out a checkbook, hello, 1995, uh, the answer isn't to write a bigger check. The answer is, what is my heart worshiping? Because generosity stems from, or it, it attacks the gods we worship. Comfort, uh, I don't know, it could be anything for you. Comfort, the ability to do whatever we want, whenever we want, uh, take care of ourselves. I mean, these are good things, but to Jesus, they're not actually ultimate things. And the generosity of Jesus not only challenges our perspective and our productivity, it also invites us to consider to calm down. It's not our stuff anyways, and that's a good thing, and don't get caught up in the rat race. Man, I'm, I'm so excited about the families that stepped into our, not only our generosity challenge in our FPU series, but just the families that are, are trying to learn that life is not just quantity or quality, but it's about Zoe, eternal life. Here are a few of their stories. My name is Michelle Wooten. I'm a member here at RCC and I took FPU several years ago. At the time that I took FPU, we were living with a lot of credit card debt, car payment, mortgage. We just thought that's the way life was. Um, but we were also living with all the pressure that, that comes with having that kind of debt. And then FPU was put in our path and we decided to check it out. 
And we discovered that not only could we be debt free, but we could actually save money and that there was a roadmap to get you there. So we embarked on that journey. It took us about 18 months to get debt free, but we got there, developed our emergency savings, um, and we experienced the freedom that comes from being debt free. I've remained debt free ever since. But the biggest blessing that came from FPU for me was when the unexpected happened. My husband was diagnosed with an aggressive form of cancer and he wasn't able to work. And because we were debt free, we now had options that we wouldn't have had otherwise. And I was able to take time off, be able to, to take care of him, to spend time with him at the hospital. And after he passed away, again, because we didn't have the burden of all of that debt, I was able to stay in my home, um, take the time that I needed to um, help my family regroup. And, and um, it was just, you know, just the biggest blessing um, that could have come our way. So I can't say enough about FPU. It changed my life. It changed the life of my family. We spent uh, $100, I think, to take the course, and it was the best $100 I've ever spent in my life. So if you're thinking about it, think no more. It's, it's the right decision. Thank you. Hi, we're Tim and Erin Brink. We just completed the FPU course and also the Generosity Challenge. Uh, the Financial Peace University class was great, um, helped us to really understand the basic principles of uh, money management, um, how to eliminate our debt, and really how to make our money work for us. Uh, so we started on the, the plan and really excited about what we've been able to do so far. And with that, in the Generosity Challenge, we've really been able to get back on track with giving God back what's His, and to be able to worship at that level again. Um, being connected to the church and being able to tithe has been a huge step for our family. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, give him a hand. That's great. Well, I, I, I brought up some three, three incredible guys. I'm going to give them a second to introduce themselves and ask them some questions about uh, Financial Peace University. This is our team that, that taught that course. Uh, good morning. My name is Dave Olson. I've been leading for RCC FPU for about 10 years now. Good morning. My name is Ken Wooten. I have been teaching financial peace for, uh, here and as well as uh, two other churches that I've attended for the past six or seven years. Brad Baker. This is my first time actually co-leading with these guys. Yeah. So hopefully many more to come. And you survived. That's actually, awesome. Brad actually helped me when we did the teen version in the spring. So this is your Cool. Thing. So let me ask you guys a few questions here. Why do, why do you guys think that FPU is the right class for RCC? Uh, great question, Ben. Um, for, for being a member of the church for a long time and, and having a call for helping people around finance, we originally started with a class called Good Sense, oh, yeah. um, which was pretty good. And then over, <laughs> a, you know, over a couple of years, somebody said, well, you guys should really think about Financial Peace University. And it's pretty awesome, right? It, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For those of you who have taken it, you know it. It, it, it really <laughs> sets you apart and really truly does give you that financial peace that we're all striving for. Sure. And the biggest difference is really to me is the structure and the steps. And Dave Ramsey is a, so passionate about it. And he's a comedian, kind of like you, Ben. I love it. But uh, he teaches you the right ways to do it. And if you do it in sequential order, you are going to have that financial peace of mind that we're all looking for. Uh, the FPU course, I have uh, been through the Crown Financial. Uh, many of you may have heard of that. That program was founded in 1976 by Larry Burkett. Uh, and it, it's in 80 different countries. It has taught millions of people. But in essence, the, the difference between them is the, the Crown Financial, I think of 80% Bible study with 20% practical applications around financial management. 
whereas FPU is hosted by Dave Ramsey, who is just a dynamic speaker, and has lived it. And it's to me, it's 80% practical mm. application, yeah. but supported by biblical principles. So that's why I've, I've, I'm geared towards that. Cool. Totally agree. Uh, I mean, I would say the number one reason I think it's right for RCC is it gives a game plan. Mm. Most people, you yeah. know, they might know everything that they need to do, but they don't know what steps to take. Right. And this gives you, you know, step by step, this is what you do. This has worked for yep. people. Yep. Continue to do what's worked. Yeah. So I think that's the most important part. Awesome. So why do you guys love helping people experience generosity? Well, to me, it comes back to that financial peace. Okay. Okay. And it truly changes lives. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go on. It, it changes more than your life. It changes your legacy. Mm. Because believe it or not. That's good. What you exhibit in your household, unfortunately or fortunately, will be passed on to your children. Uh, yep. And you've, you've all heard the statistics that, you know, finances is a major contributor to divorce. Yep. So, uh, Two-thirds of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. The average American has about $10,000 in credit card debt. And therefore, it causes a lot of stress, anxiety, and even depression in the household. Mm -hmm. And so when you learn to manage your finances, when you establish financial peace, finances are not a major issue. <coughs> so mm -hmm. it, it gives you that, that peace, and yeah. your children experience it as well. Yep. So from that, it just it changes lives. It changes legacy. That's awesome. I would definitely say that's the right way to look at it. Uh, when you are financially free, you've paid off all of your debt, you are your own man or woman, you're your own household, you have the ability to do what you want to do. And yeah. what that means is yeah. when we want to help people, we don't say, well, my wallet's empty. I, I, I don't have more. Mm -hmm. So when we don't work for the debt collectors, we work for God. We work for our church is that and the people that we love. That's that'll preach. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Come on. Brad's going to be our new teaching pastor can starting next week. Can I, can I add one more thing? You, yeah, you can do whatever you want. You know what? I'm, back. I'm very passionate. I about know this. you are. Go ahead. <laughs> and I'm passionate about Dave Ramsey. One of the things he says in, in this whole series about generosity, but Dave really talks about outrageous generosity. Mm. So you have to live like no one else so mm. that you can live and give like, like no one else. That's right. So the, the favorite thing of, my, of the whole 10 years of doing this is walking down in, in the lobby and giving high fives to people who've told me that, you know, they paid off their debt yeah. and they're living generously. It's awesome. And, and really having that financial peace that, uh, that Kevin talked about. That's great. So share with us some of the stats from the, uh, the class. So we had 27 attenders. Okay. So I think that was the probably one of the largest classes we've ever had. Great. Uh, we had about, what was the, uh, I think it was about 281,000 in okay. non-mortgage debt. Okay. And then at the end of the course uh, from what, People have told us that went through the class. Right, it was about 141,000 paid off. That's awesome. Yeah, you guys can clap for that. Come on. That's great. <laughs> oh man, that that's uh, that's that's awesome. Talk to us about why generosity is such an important piece to our discipleship. Um, in, in Proverbs 11:25, it says, "A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed." Mm. So. I think good. about that with my own experience and, sure. and how awesome it feels to give you time, talent, and treasure. And I feel the Holy Spirit coming through me, and I just love watching people have that experience. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I feel it from you, man. Yeah. Yeah. You're fun to be around. 
Yeah. That's not what my wife says all the time. Any, <laughs> good thing I'm not your wife. Any, um, why would anyone want to get their finances in order so that they could give to the church? It sounds like a ploy the church is trying to, like, you know, bend their arm. Why would anybody want to do that? Well, first, I think it's the mission of the church. Okay. And it's not a church building. Right. But, but what I think that it, it helps establish is it changes the focus. Mm. When, when you're in debt, the focus is on you. Well, that's good. How do I, good. Get out of that? How do I make this next payment? That's you good. You mean the mortgage payment. Mm. And, and once you put that behind you, your focus changes. Mm. It's on others. Yeah. It's about serving. And that's really the mission of the yeah. church. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Did you want to add anything? Yeah, I would definitely want to add that generosity is a gift. So actually being able to be generous is a gift. Yes. So allowing people, you know, the understanding of how to get to that. It's yeah. really fulfilling when you're able to help others. Um, you know, personally, I like to I like to give to certain charities, and, yeah. and I love to help people. Yeah. It's not just about treasure; it's about talent too. Mm. So, the more that you can help others, to help others. I think Dave wants to talk. <laughs> I want to put a shout out for his mom, Lisa Baker, who who leads the finance committee, <laughs> who helps the church. So. Giving to the church before I, I was part of the finance committee until she kicked me out. Um, and I did it for Thanks, about Lisa. Five, uh, for about five years. But the, it, you guys need to know that it's not just about paying for Ben's uh, nice uniform every week and paying for Andrew and, and Brian. It's much more than that. We need to be the light of the community. And the only way we make that happen yeah. is through the church. Yeah. So I, I know as part of being the finance team, the budget's important to do all those things. Let's reach out to the community. Let's help those in need. Yeah. It's not just about you know these four walls going from an elementary school to this. It's yeah. amazing. Awesome. So one final question. Just dream with me here, and I know money people love to do that. Um, what, what would happen if RCC as a whole, wherever they're at, just really stepped into generosity? What do you, what's the potential of our church? We all would have uh, financial peace, right? Mm. you got to give and live like no one else, so we yep. can be that outrageous generosity and givers yeah. uh, and be the light of the community not only here but across the across the globe so awesome that, that's how I would yeah say. yeah go ahead and i would say that not only are you going to impact again the people that you can uh, reach by being generous yep. you can change their family tree you mm. can change their legacies yeah that, that's amazing it is yes and you can also change their their spirituality so i people's souls wow. they want to be generous yeah so the more that we can change the landscape in our area and those around us, the better that our communities will be. That's awesome. Can we give these guys a hand? <laughs> Thanks, guys. Can you put the mic over there? Yeah. Awesome. I, uh, watch out, Dave. I know you're old. Don't <laughs> old and good looking. Uh, I just uh, I love the passion of these guys that it just exudes out of them to be generous, and uh, that's not what our culture invites us into. It's to hoard everything, and I just appreciate their story and for everybody that was willing to step in into this 90-day uh, generosity challenge. We'll do this every year, uh, as well as Financial Peace University. Uh, man, we're going to transition into a time of uh, Thanksgiving for our communion uh, meditation. Man, it's just a great week to, as we set in, to celebrate Thanksgiving, to focus on and center on the cross of which we have much to be thankful for. Amen, right? Yes, for sure. Yeah, not only are we thankful for the financial dollars of RCC, more than that, we're thankful for the cross that invites us uh, to give and to be generous, not just with our money, but also, Brad said, with our talents and, and time and treasures and, and all of that of what it means to be human. 
And uh, man, I just, the thing I took away from them is this ability that when you're around generous people, you can just breathe a bit, a bit easier, right? Uh, and so in a moment, we're going to take communion together. And I just want it to be an opportunity for you to thank Jesus for whatever you want. It could be something small or something big, but let it be something personal and not abstract, something that you are actually thankful for that Jesus has given to you or taken away from you or provided for you. Let me pray and we'll take communion together and then we'll celebrate some baptisms. Jesus, thanks so much for this great morning as we celebrate Thanksgiving heading into that week. There's so much to be thankful for and we thank you that generosity is, is for everybody um, and it helps us tell better stories. It helps uh, strangers journey with you, people that we don't know yet and it just gives us that perspective that uh, life is not a story about us. It's for the next person who's far from you, and we're going to do whatever it takes so that they can know you and fall in love with you and not religion or their sin. Uh, thank you for this moment here, for a, a remembrance of your son and the sacrifice he made for us and the overwhelming depth, quantity, quality, and eternal life that he gives us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.